Hi there. Hope you're well. Dave Walsh here. Thanks for um, coming back. This is um, episode eight of my podcasts. Um, just talking about different drum topics, music topics, things like that. Stuff linked to um, what's going on with me and uh, just sort of ongoing <clears throat> conversations I have with friends, colleagues, students, etc., etc., about um, yeah, stuff to do with drums. So this week, um, well, it's been a funny week actually. It's been a very tiring week back in the full swing of teaching um and uh it's the first week back after christmas uh, actual teaching week we've been back doing some of the stuff at work uh, assessing and bits and bobs which has been good it's sort of like a bit of a conclusion for quite a lot of students this time of year because they've sort of got over one quite big assignment in uh, especially performance side of things um and then we get back into teaching this week, and it's been a funny week because it's been uh, this kind of a lot of energy goes into a point in time, like a sort of date and point in time. I've got to get this thing by, done by this time, and it occupies quite a lot of headspace. And then, and then the first lesson back after that, you know, I'm um, I'm always full of um, kind of energy and stuff after. Uh, a bit of a break from teaching, you know, it's kind of, I'm ready to kind of hit the ground running. But sometimes the holiday, um, you know, people kick back a bit and they sort of chill out and they don't play, essentially. <laughs> don't practice, forget about it for a while, which, which is which is a good thing in one sense. Uh, I always remember when I was 17 and I was having lessons with... Um, Mr. Dave Hassel, one of the great teachers we have here, luckily in, in Manchester, we're very lucky to have Dave. This part of the country, but he's tall all over the world. Um, but he's a brilliant teacher, and I was very lucky to spend uh, about a year with him when I was um, 17, 18, last year at school, and then uh, I've been good friends of his since. Um, and I remember, you know, when I was 17, I was just practising... I was practicing ten hours a day at that time. I really was playing a lot, and and I was I was practicing as well. I don't think I was really practicing as well as I would practice now, but I was really really on the instrument a lot. It was just you know I was in it, into it, big style as they say. Um, and I remember chatting to Dave about taking time off, you know, playing, and he was like absolutely adamant about this thing of at certain points you've got to sort of walk away from it and do something else and not think about it at all. And I was just like, nah, never. I'm so into it. If you, even if you lift your foot off the gas for a second, you're going to fall off it and people are going to move on and be better than you and all that sort of nonsense. And uh, and he was right. So <laughs> I, I don't give my students a hard time if they've, you know, they're taking a bit of time off. You, you need it. You need to recharge the batteries. It's important. And I wanted to talk a little bit about today, which sort of ties into this, is um, I was asked by a couple of people uh, to talk about um, 
topics sort of relating to um, kind of performance concerns or anxiety. I don't really like the word anxiety, but it, I suppose it is that thing. Or or sort of uh, dealing with, um, you know, that thing of sometimes people like what we do, Some people sometimes people don't like what we do. And, you know, it's easy to deal with the first one. If someone likes what you do, you just go, great, oh, that's brilliant, I really like what I do. If someone doesn't like what you do, because we take this thing we do, our, our instrument, our playing, our, our drumming, or if you're playing a different instrument, that you know, we take it, um, we take it seriously, and um, sometimes it can be sort of, it can be attached to our self-esteem and stuff. Um, some of those kind of moments can be quite challenging for us, and, and I've certainly had those experiences. So I was going to talk a little bit about some of those experiences today. Um, but uh, I had a funny conversation this week. I've had, had a nice week. Uh, done a couple of nice gigs in the last week. And on Wednesday, I was playing with a very dear old friend of mine, uh, Stuart McCallum, and um, a lovely bass player called Sam Vickery. He was a he used to be a student at college a number of years ago, and he's now um, doing amazing things, writing amazing music, great producer as well, and stuff. And he's also doing cinematic orchestra. Um, which is a group that actually Stuart used to do. He toured with them for for many years, and made out made some albums, etc. And um, but me and Stuart have known each other a long, long time, and uh, been through a lot of things together. I was sort of saying he he has listened to he mentioned he's listened to some of these podcasts, you know, and he said, "Oh, what's the topic of this week's?" You know, and I said, "Well, I've been sort of asked to do this by a couple of people to do this thing about performance anxiety, and I've been sort of freaking out about it, you know, because." I just feel like you've got to be careful what you say um, in relation to these kind of topics because, you know, I'm in no way qualified um, to to sort of talk of, about psychology or, you know, anxiety or blah, blah, blah. But, you know, what I what I can share is experience. <clears throat> and he was laughing. He was saying, well, you know, you're having anxiety about talking about anxiety, you know. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just freaking out now about talking about freaking out. Which I have done many times playing, you know, playing with lots of different people, lots of different situations. And um, there's some interesting exchanges that you have with people when you're on the bandstand. So a lot of my experience of this, not exclusively, but a lot of my experience has been in the kind of what we call the jazz life, um, the pickup gig life, where you're... And I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but just that thing of like, okay, you know, I'm a, I'm for hire. I'm Dave Walsh for hire. You know, I play drums, and I can play these different styles of music. Um, I'm pretty good at them, whatever. Um, and the jazz thing can be really tough. Um, it can be a tough life to live because you deal with a quite strange dynamic with. Um, with audiences and other musicians and you're often playing with um musicians that you haven't met before uh, or you don't know very well uh, or you get to know very well or also combinations of bands are, are with people that you know really really well um and people that you you know don't know at all and uh there's just a lot of stuff going on in those situations you know and it, i just thought it'd be interesting today to to kind of talk about some of that stuff because I've been asked about about how to deal with those situations 
you know, uh, like number one, you know, how how do you how do you deal with you know someone um, not liking what you do, you know, and being on a gig where you know you get the feeling that somebody's not digging what you're playing, you know, not digging how you're playing, or is or is kind of doing a thing where they're kind of directing you on the bandstand in a really sort of patronising way or something, you know, and uh, a lot of that can be actually. Uh, sorry, actually, it's a perceived patronising because actually that, that could not maybe not be the case. You know, it could be the case, but it could also not be the case. And I, as a musician, well, as a human being, but you know, in these musical situations, definitely have made bad judgment calls when I've been thinking, you know, what I'm worried about someone thinks about me while I'm, you know, playing the drums, as I'm, um, you know, kind of on the stage and there's stuff going on and somebody looks at you in a certain way or in the wrong way, you suddenly start to think, oh, you know, is everything okay here or whatever? You know, blah, blah, blah. And um, and it's funny how some people, when they're really focused, people that you know well, their, their personalities, um, they go into a certain gear and they get very serious or they just, you know, they have a way they communicate um, with you on stage, which... Again, it can be quite disconcerting, but actually um, it's often, for me, it's often more about me than them. Um, and it's really like about kind of like understanding when the kind of ego is getting in the way of things or the ego is looking for, um, you know, some sort of, this kind of um, like confirmation of something. So there's a thing in sort of ego sort of world where people create, you know, uh, they create stories in order to keep some sort of suspense going or whatever, in order to keep some sort of interest going in their interaction with somebody, you know. And that can be, you know, verbal sort of thing. Somebody says something and provokes <clears throat> a response that they've had before and then that response feeds into a certain relationship with that situation uh and uh, i think clever people when they see that happening they don't respond in the way the person's expecting they respond in a very different way and it, it makes the person who's trying to create the story or create that interaction it makes them um it sort of stops them in their tracks, you know. And it's the same thing with music. It's like if you're playing with a certain musician that you know really well and they, they suddenly start behaving in a different way on stage, then you can start to think, oh, you know, there's something going on here, you know, when actually nothing's going on at all, you know. Or the opposite, you know, somebody can suddenly start to, in that situation, because they may be nervous or anxious or they may be ill-prepared or... Or, or they may just be being, you know, um, they may just be being kind of egotistical because they're on a stage and they're sort of something, you know, there's somebody in the audience that they want to kind of, you know, show off to or something. So they can suddenly start behaving in a certain way. And, 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 and as often as a kind of side person musician, which is what I am, you know, uh, this kind of classic thing of the drummer you know you're in a, you're in this kind of in those pickup gig situations you're definitely seen as a kind of sort of side person um uh, the skill a lot of the time is to not respond to those things is to go oh, i know what's going on here read the situation 
And that takes experience. And uh, I know that I know a lot of people that have sort of struggled with that. And I think people struggle like that in project bands as well. A lot of the things, you know, I've talked about in in this, they relate to my experience. Obviously, I don't know about other people's experiences, but a lot of my experience has not been project bands. I've worked in the last 15 years, I've worked with, two or three musicians on uh, on projects or in or in bands you know and uh, all of those situations uh have involved their own challenges but they they, they certainly don't feel like they've really ever involved some of the stuff i'm talking about there is one uh, story with somebody that i've worked with um a lot and um we were doing a gig and the vibe of the tune wasn't working properly, and um, and that tune was not recorded by by me on 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 the album. Um, in fact, there's there's a number of things going on here. So this is kind of a classic situation where you can you really get in your head about something, and uh, so like the history of that tune was, I think that I did. Um, I did a session for somebody and I, I made an album with somebody and uh, and cut maybe 12 tunes in 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 a in quite a short space of time it was quite a hurried session and um and it was mainly me and the bass player and uh and also the artist playing keyboards and a, and uh, also a bit of clarinet and stuff and uh, we were really whizzing through this stuff and they were all written parts so we were kind of reading parts cutting these tracks and then moving on and uh, I don't work so well in those situations uh, because I'm not always thinking that you're getting to the kind of truth of the music. Anyway, cut forward six months, and the album comes out, and I'm, and uh, the album sounds great. And and uh, what happened with this album was that half of it was me, and half of it was another drummer, and it was exactly the same as what happened on on the first album that I made with this same person. And it's and it works really well. It's beautiful because me and the other drummer. Mikey Wilson, great drummer from Manchester. If you don't know Mikey, he's, he's a genuinely amazing drummer, a, a real, real one-off, uh, very inspirational player. And uh, Mikey has a, a real knack of getting to the truth of things very quickly in, in music and creating like a big vibe, you know. And um, something I've always been kind of in awe in. Not just it's not just the playing; it's it's more about that sort of ability to kind of almost photographically know what what the music needs, and it's kind of bizarre and be able to just play it and make it sound produced. You know, there's all kinds of levels of things going on here. Anyway, he cut that track. I'd, I think I'd recorded it, but I was never really happy on the day. And then um, when obviously when the person we were recording for had gone back, and then and then they'd run. He'd have run these tracks through with Mikey when he was recording with him. It'd have been a track that they'd have cut as well, and that was the right vibe. And then we go to do this gig, and then this tune starts. And I hadn't played this tune on the gig, and uh, I think I'd just got the wrong idea about what the part was. I'd, I'd listened to the album and checked out the track. And it definitely wasn't what I played, and it's like a style of music that I'm not that strong in. You know, it's got a kind of hip hop sort of vibe. A bit of a bangra kind of thing, you know. It's just not my thing totally, but I can I can get on it if I, if I know what I'm doing, you know. And we were uh, playing this tune, and we started to groove off, and 
it wasn't happening for some reason and uh, he stopped the tune and this was like on a gig you know in front of an audience and like my whole kind of value system is like you never do that you, know? you never ever do that you just don't do that you know that's how I was brought up as they say you know you don't ever stop a tune once it started the vibe of the tune is what it is once it started you just have to live with it and he stopped the tune you know and I was like not massively happy about this but we we restarted the tune and, and he turned to me and said no that's not the vibe uh, that's not the thing I was like oh right oh I thought that was what the groove was no it's more on the floor tom or something you know and I started then he he counted the thing in and I played the same groove that was playing on the floor tom he said and he was like yeah that's the vibe and then the tune was off and it was great you know in the break we had an argument you know I was I was annoyed about it and uh, I was wrong, you know. It's I don't want to go into the details of it, but it's, it was an egotistical thing. I'd 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 not just got over myself and accepted that the fact that the vibe was wrong and it was you know, it wasn't personal. It was just a thing of the vibe's not right. Let's start again. And then the vibe was right and it was great. And then I let I, I spent the rest of the, that first set. Uh, playing fine but being annoyed you know just sort of being wound up about it a bit I, I, I probably played better in some ways because sometimes when you've got a little bit of attitude you know it can help can't it it can make you sort of dig a bit deeper um you know a bit, a bit edgy <clears throat> and uh, we had this argument and he was right and he just said it's you know don't take it personally it's not personally it's just i can't i can't carry on with the music if it's not the right vibe you know and, uh, and then I really sat and thought about it and thought about it from, tried to think about it from the audience perspective. And actually, the only weird thing, the thing that could have been really weird in that situation, if I'd have let it, would have been me reacting badly to that, which I didn't. In the moment, I didn't react badly to it. I just stopped and said, oh, it's, oh, whoa, 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 what do we need to do to solve this problem? Yeah. Play it on the floor, Tom. Played it on the floor, Tom. It was fine, you know. But I could have, like, my ego could have got in the way but my ego took over once we started playing and I started dwelling on it you know and blah 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 so um it was it was a really great vibe because you know it, it, there's a kind of level of trust that you learn with another person in those situations and the valuable thing for me was this thing of of not escalating things you know either with with him in the break or with him during the set before that, you know, because then the whole set would have been ruined. We'd have had an argument in the break. I'd have realised I was being an idiot because it would have, whatever, the conclusion of all that would have still been the same conclusion. I would still have been like, yeah, I was wrong, you know, to behave in that way. So I don't know if that's kind of a situation that people have ever been in before, but it's, it's interesting how, you know, um, <clears throat> learning to sort of respond in a certain way and then deal with something later away from the bandstand and then you know and then understanding what somebody needs you to do in the music you know um but that's that's one of sort of three projects that i've been involved in and, and you know in my as far as i'm aware you know there's been no other kind of major issues you know there's a couple of other projects where i've been sort of was involved in one one i've not been one sort of finished in 2014 15 but um Another person I've worked with for a long time, uh, with a, that's got you know the same group of people at work, and it's, it's always been a, a cool vibe. It's always been like a very um, 
just you know a very honest relationship going on there and uh, I think you know when you record with people and you go in the studio and this maybe maybe might relate to people that are more project based people than maybe you know pick up sort of pick up musicians um is that you really get into that thing of honesty you know, the studio can be like an absolutely fraught place with emotion you know um it was one of the great experiences i had when i first went in the studio i was quite late to the studio i think uh, the first time i went in the studio i was 19 maybe even 20 can't specifically remember now um but uh the story goes like this we went in the studio and this is I, I always make a few notes and this is actually a little bit further down the notes but it's this thing about being prepared for a situation if you want to you know not feel kind of anxious and if you want to enjoy a musical situation that's that's stressful you know, because recording can be stressful. It can just turn stressful, even if you're really, really well prepared. But if you're really, really well prepared, you're normally flexible and you're able to adapt to what's going on. If you're not well prepared or you, your confidence has been knocked in a certain way <clears throat> because ultimately deep down you don't feel like you're prepared enough, then it can go pear-shaped very quickly. <clears throat> and uh, I did the first recording session I ever did was a dev was a devastating um emotionally devastating uh, kind of experience for me and uh, it's you know it's nice to share it it's it's fine now but at the time it was you know I was living uh, in London when I was I went to well, London when I was 18 I went to college in London and didn't like London there's lots of things about London I didn't like and, uh, and I had some uh, very very good friends around me um who um uh, very very close to who really thrived in that environment you know and uh, I really didn't thrive in that environment. I found it a very difficult thing because what I realised in when I was in London was that um, you you can't just be a good player and just like everything will fall into place. It's really, really not that vibe, you know. And and it's much more competitive these days than it was when I when I was down there. I mean, I think about what's going on in London now, just just in terms of jazz, just in terms of courses and numbers of amazing students that are in London, you know, these graduates that are just amazing players, you know. Um, and I think about how I was playing when I was, like, 19. It's hilarious, really, to think that I was even, like, considering that I was going to be any good at it. Some sort of bloody-minded God knows what got me through it. But, it, you know, it did, it in, and it did it in the end, and that's the, the tenacious thing in the end is that, you know... Um, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your background, all those kind of things, the bottom line is if you believe enough and are tenacious enough, it will get you through all kinds of problems and situations and you'll end up coming out the other side and being all right. You know, I'm pretty good now, so I've kind of survived it. But this this studio experience was a real, it was one of those datum points in life that I can remember very vividly all, all the kind of timeline of it. And it ties into how, you know, this thing about self-esteem and about when you're not prepared and when you are prepared and when you think you're prepared and you realise you know nothing about something. And this was very much an experience for me. I was in a band. Uh, it was a very, very good band. Well, it became a very good band. It was a bit of a haphazard band at first. It was definitely... It was a, it was a, it was a jolly band. And it was... Um, 
some great characters in that band and and the band kind of evolved and became a really good band and then I left London and, and was no no more part of it but uh, they uh, the band that sort of remained after I left they got a new drummer who was, who was great and he was better for that gig than me as well he was, he was the right kind of player for that gig but um, uh, I was kind of involved in this project um that was with a quite famous singer. Uh, oh, I won't mention who he is, uh, just because I ended up in his book under a nickname and uh, couldn't be bothered to mention me by name, just mentioned me by nickname. Um, it's one of those things. So I'm not going to mention who he is. Um, but it was a very good band and some great musicians in the band. And, uh, and we went in the studio very early on to cut this track, you know, and... Uh, it was my first time really playing with a click track in a studio. And this studio was was an expensive studio. It wasn't a cheap studio. It was a serious, serious thing. Um, and uh, it was a real wake-up call. We cut this track. It was like a sort of 96 BPM, slightly shuffly groove, quite trendy at that time in the, in the late 80s, early 90s when all that kind of that stuff was in Galliano and incognito sort of stuff in London was happening. It, it wasn't exactly like that because the vocals weren't like that. And it was more of a, a sort of rocky pop band than that kind of more groovy, soulful thing which they were doing, which was much more hip. But there was an element of that thing within the groove. And, uh, and me and the bass player were trying to cut our tracks, you know, and both of us, were no, we were just sort of nowhere, really. I couldn't really play with the click. Um, and there was all sorts of stuff going on in my head to try and sort of justify, you know, why I was absolutely nowhere in this situation, you know. And all that kind of stuff of like, well, I'm doing my thing and it's a jazzy, I'm trying to, I'm approaching it with a jazzy thing. It's more organic, you know, it's moving around because things move around and all that. It's like none of that stuff's cutting it's all bullshit, you know. So we cut this track and it was nowhere. And uh, and then it was mixed and I heard the mix. And they did quite a good job of the mix because, you know, you can, um, as they always say, you can't, you can't polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter. Uh, and they certainly did that. But there was a producer, tutor, at one of the, one of the big music colleges in London. I'm, I won't say who he is either because... It's uh, just keeping things anonymous here. This guy was a big deal. He was doing, he was a big deal. He was doing serious string arranging for world-class artists and stuff. And he was a, he was a world-class producer. And he was teaching at one of the music colleges and a couple of my friends were having lessons with him. And uh, they, he got, they played him the track, you know. And his only comment was that the drums, the drums were not cutting it. The drums were not happening. And it was the thing that was ruining the track, you know. And that got back to me, and that was tough. Um, so there's two things one could do there. One could just go, oh, well, well, there's three things actually you could do. One is you could just go away and cry and give up, which was not going to happen. One is you can try and justify yourself with an argument and say, well, I was going for a certain vibe. And I, I didn't do either of those things because I knew that I was bullshitting and that actually I hadn't got my shit together, you know because I couldn't really play grooves then. And I spent quite a lot of time after that really getting on top of learning to play grooves, you know, getting getting my groove playing together. And, uh, yeah, it kind of... Um, I definitely got better at it. The bass player left. I didn't get fired. Um, 
bass player left that band. Another bass player came in, um, and then the band sort of grew, and it became a really nice band. And and all I was doing during that time was I was really focusing on on like trying to play simply, you know. So it was it was like a really really negative experience for me turned into a very positive one and it kind of set me up really for the next kind of 10 years because when I moved away from London which was something that I really desperately wanted to do I just wanted to get go back to the country you know as as they say um no I just wanted to get out of that city I just wanted to be in a different kind of city I, I just like the north of England I, I was like Manchester and you know it's uh, my my kind of town and uh and I always kind of felt at home there and the kind of the vibe was very different. And it was just that thing. I just wanted to play music and I just wanted to play with people that play music. I wasn't career sort of driven as well as music driven, you know. And uh, a lot of people, the, the, the people in London I was around, they were they were driven by both things, you know. Uh, at the time, I thought they were just kind of career driven and were, and actually they weren't, you know, because they're great artists, you know, and, and have gone on to do amazing things and, and stuff. But, it's just the idea of, like, I was just sort of naively, I just wanted to play the drums, and I thought, well, if I play the drums and I, and I play them well, you know, people people will like me and they'll use me, you know. And and that's really essentially what happened. And so the kind of simple truth in all that is actually one should never really worry about anything, you know, is if, if you just have that kind of simple attitude, which was where my head really was, then... Um, everything everything will work out fine but <clears throat> that's not the reality of the situation because the jazz life can be a tough life and playing with lots of different people especially sometimes playing people you don't know you've just got to learn to um you know read people in a very generous way you know um it's it's hard to have high expectations for a start in situations where there's a, there's a low amount or no about amount of rehearsal. So you walk into a situation and the music's got to happen now, and we're using all we're just using all of our experience to try and make something happen. We've all got a collective understanding of what this thing is. The people that are on that stage, you know. Um, and as I've got older, the one thing that I've learned is just this thing of experience teaches you what sort of you know, kind of era playing, particularly in, in, in jazz and in swing and things like that, is not playing, you know, um, super hard bop or something contemporary when it's when it's more kind of, you know, standardy kind of thing and more bit more straight ahead or maybe it's just, you know, bebop sort of thing, just kind of Max Roachy, you know, swingy thing. It's just that thing of understanding kind of era playing and uh, and then making good decisions about, about who you choose to play with and are those people going to be the people that when you play with them you can you know play things in the way that you hear things and and uh, making you know good decisions in that respect can can really help you know you make uh, make a good path for yourself because again it's that thing of like if you want to be a sort of I'm useful to everybody kind of person then that's great, but it's just having the right kind of expectations in that situation. Whereas if you're the opposite of that and you're kind of a project-focused or artistically-focused player, which which I was more really in a way, 
but I but I wasn't I wasn't putting my the time into the projects. I wasn't actually creating projects. I was kind of I play in this kind of way. I kind of play a little bit like this, bit like that. I've got my own sound, my own thing. And I think I was pretty uh, quite identifiable as a player within the scene that I was playing in, you know. Um when I was kind of getting into playing in the 90s and stuff and and having a more more kind of successful career, you know, beyond sort of 2001 after a kind of illness that I had, um, things really took off for me after that. Um, and I became, you know, more focused on the kind of jobby musician and uh, realised that my kind of the artistic side of my play and the kind of the individual um, couldn't always be at the forefront of what was going on in the music, you know. And... But I think players that tend to, uh, you know, that kind of do that thing of they're, they're driven in a certain way, they play in a certain way, uh, they, they, you know, they tend to do well and, and find people, the right people around them, you know, and tend to, to stay in quite a, a tight bunch of people and get their music ready together and tour together. And it's like a family kind of thing, you know. So I had to kind of learn that um, sometimes uh, it was about being a pro. And sometimes it was about <clears throat> doing my own thing. And um, and that might not necessarily be connected to sort of, you know, topics of like performance anxiety and, you know, why am I why am I feeling like I'm freaking out in these sorts of different situations? Um, but it's just make sure you're aware of, you know, what's required of you in a situation. And then just that thing of preparation, being prepared and um you know making sure that you're that you're the right person for the situation i think you know younger players like i used to do i used to say yes to everything and uh, some things uh i should just never have said yes to because it just wasn't really right for the music you know um and never really got right for the music because i never really sorted out those things at the time you know, maybe not not learning the right parts for certain tune. You know, certain songs have drum parts. You know, they're, they're they're kind of iconic to those those parts. I'd just sort of blag something that was kind of close to that thing, and and then be wondering why you know the phone wouldn't ring again, or you know, I wouldn't people would be saying wouldn't be saying that was really happening. They just wouldn't be saying anything. They just you know, it'd just be um, there'd just be somebody else doing the gig <laughs> basically. Uh, but it's. It's just that thing if you get a reputation for being a good player, so people, lots of different sorts of people ring you, you know, and uh, and then you find your way, you find the people you want to play with. But there is the sort of, you know, the other side of this, of, of where, you know, you're thinking about, like, what we're focusing on on the bandstand and, and sort of, uh, you know, forgetting that somebody asked you to be there for a reason, you know, so... Um, I uh, even recently have played with new musicians, you know, people I've never played with before, and uh, and and it's and it's interesting the difference in the way in which uh, these days I'm certainly more chilled out in those situations than I would have been ten, fifteen years ago. Of just kind of you, know, you play with somebody new who's good, there's this immediate thing of. A lot of musicians, we have this thing where we go, oh, I hope they're going to like what I do, you know. Um, and a lot of the time, because we're so kind of wrapped up in 
our playing is so personal to us. We spend a lot of time, you know, getting our playing together. We, um, if we you know, for, on any level, you know, you may be, you may be quite new to playing, but it may be really, really valuable to you. There might be all sorts of reasons why you got into playing, you know. They might be connected to all sorts of different things in your life, you know, but there's, uh, there's always some kind of, you know, calling or whatever to, to, to come to play any musical instrument. And so if somebody doesn't like it, then it can f be very personal. You know, it can feel like somebody doesn't like you, you know, it can feel like, oh, oh, they don't like me, you know, and then that's obviously not true. It's just, you know, there's something about the way you play that's not what they need or it's not the right thing for that project or whatever. Or they've just been playing with somebody else for a long time and they don't get how you play, you know. And I've had lots of situations where I've played with people uh, a number of times and the early times I've played with them, they've they've been quite unsure and then the penny drops with them, you know, and they suddenly, they kind of get where I'm coming from. And then they really like the way I play, you know. They have uh, almost ask for me to be, you know, if they're coming into town and they, they need a pickup band and they, they need a rhythm section that's, you know, real, 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 that, they, that they like, you know. I get a call to say, oh, whatever's coming, they want you on the gig, they've asked for you specifically, you know. And uh, so some of that, it's not always about you, but it, it, it's just that thing of like, um, from that experience, I, I, I always think, yeah, maybe if I, in the first place, I've just been playing a little bit clearer, maybe, or just a bit simpler, you know, then that person would have kind of got me in the first place, you know. It's, it's that thing of of when you, you know, playing what the music needs and then, you know, just just kind of, starting to open up a bit and express yourself once everything's settled. And uh, I think sometimes it can be hard to get the balance of that right, especially in jazz, you know, you know, is the expectation to play like really complicated? Do people want to make, you know, do I need to sound like Brian Blade? That's impossible. Do I need to sound like Paul Motion? That's impossible. Do I need to sound like Eric Harland? That's impossible. Do I need to sound like Jack Trujinette? That's impossible. You know, all these things are going on in your head possibly. And actually, you just need to sound like yourself and just, you know, play clearly and play simply and then start to, as the gig goes on, there's pro there'll be opportunities to, you know, to show your own vibe, flex your own muscles, you know, express yourself, interpret a little bit. And uh, I think that that way people understand you better, you know. Whereas if you, if you go into a situation that Westman doesn't know anything about you and you're really being quite interpretive about the way those drum parts are in that kind of music is maybe quite simple kind of just songbook standards and you're you know you're playing like Paul Motion or something which you know, is not possible anyway but it's a, it's a terrible example really or, you, or you're playing very kind of you know quite obscure kind of playing you know maybe a bit free or not just playing straight down the line uh, I mean I had an experience once with a with a sax player great sax player lives here in Manchester I've played with a lot and uh, get on very well with him very funny guy and he um, I was playing with him once and we were, we were playing this kind of standard thing and I was just playing like a swing thing and he kind of stopped and said oh, can you just play a little bit more straight ahead you know and I was like I am and he was like no no you're breaking it up a lot you know 
And I was just playing some kind of like hi-hat pattern. Something, you know, whatever I thought that was quite, and what he wanted was just Because as soon as you start syncopating it, you are breaking it up, you know. And I just thought my version of not broken up was very broken up. <laughs> so, you know, you don't always make the right judgment calls. Or, you, or just that thing of being able to listen and somebody says, no, it's quite broken up. And then you kind of go, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is quite broken up. Or you can respond negatively and go, no, man, I'm doing my thing. You know, that's the, the classic thing of the earlier story, you know. Is like you get into an argument and then they just, you know, someone will just choose to go, don't worry about it, forget it, or they'll have an argument with you, you know. Um, the the second, the argument's probably better than the first. The first means that they've just disconnected from you, you know, and that's it. They just made a decision to say, okay, this person's like, they're, um, you know, they're fighting their corner and I haven't got time. Oh, I can't be asked. I haven't got time to deal with that. I'm just going to treat what's going on here as a as a as a different vibe you know and uh, that can be that can be quite tough um or you can just you know avoid all that listen to what somebody's saying and uh you know try and find the best solution in that situation um as i've got older i find that that's definitely the best way to be you know trying to understand a lot of it's about understanding what somebody means really and having an opportunity for them to say what they mean and trying to understand it you know it's the same thing i was talking about last week with that learning thing you know do you understand and will you remember you know well the remember thing is not really necessary to be but the understanding thing is i think key all the time you know do you understand what someone's why someone's saying what they're saying you know, in your plane or in whatever so, um, but it's just that thing of when you go into new situations, the one thing to remember is that somebody's asked you to be there for a positive reason, you know. So don't get in your head about worrying about on the, on the stage and whatever and playing with new people and stuff about, oh, you know, I've got to kind of got to prove myself and all those kind of things. I think that, you know, that kind of frame of mind is already, you're already kind of setting yourself into kind of compartmentalizing your thinking into I must be in that way I must make things you know sound that way or, or come out that way because I, I want I want people to like me or you know whatever whereas actually if you if you're prepared then you're you know you're approaching the music simply musically you've got a nice sound you play good time and stuff then you know, people are gonna uh, are gonna warm to you. I'd say ninety ninety five times out of a hundred. There's there's always the five times out of a hundred where there are unquantifiable reasons why somebody doesn't like what you do. You know, and there's nothing you can do about that. It's just that's life. You know, not everybody's gonna like what you do. That's not a quote from me. It's another Mikey Wilson quote, and, and uh, we were in discussion about that years and years and years ago. I remember him saying that to me. You know. Listen, man, not, not everyone's going to like what you do. Accept it, you know. And uh, you, you really do have to sometimes. And, you know, you just move on from those situations. You just put it in the library, chalk it up to experience and try and recognise that kind of situation again. If something is similar, it presents itself or a situation where, oh, yeah, yeah, it's that same kind of thing again, you know. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, that same thing's happened again. And maybe, oh, before it happens, go, maybe I'm not the right person for this situation, you know. But it's, again, 
it's all about judgment calls, isn't it? And you've got to be in it to be making those judgment calls. Um, but the thing, just worrying about kind of judgment, um, you know, that, that, that sort of judgmental thing. And, and I was, I was sort of alluding at the beginning of this to the sort of jazz, the jazz life, the, uh, the, the real difference I notice, I, uh, I work with a singer songwriter artist when we, you know, I do, um, do nice gigs very, very occasionally, um, across you know across the country and across europe and stuff and it's amazing on those gigs where people you know they just there's just a lot of love you know you're kind of playing to people and the vibe is great and people talk to you after the gig and they're just it's great it's what it's beautiful you're playing music and it's beautiful you do like a jazz gig and uh, you know you go into the audience afterwards which, which i regularly do because you, you're normally playing in a room and you just sat, you're sat next to the people you're playing to a lot of the time, you know, and the people, a lot of these people you know, lots of nice people I've known for many, many years, you know. But very occasionally, you know, you you meet these people in the audience who you don't really know very well, you don't whatever, you don't know at all, and they always delight in telling you how last week, blah blah blah, I was on drums, uh, and they were great, they were great, they were they they sounded ah oh, they. I've never heard anything like it, you know. Oh, they're amazing. Oh, you, oh, just, oh, do you know them? Do you know they're playing? And you, you're like, yeah, 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 I know them. Yeah, great player, great, beautiful. Yeah, great. Yeah, they sounded great last week. Yeah, oh, just, you know. And you and you're sort of, there's like this kind of weird interaction with the audience. Like you're sort of like, like what part of you just wants to go, um, not sure why I'm not sure why you're telling me this you know I'm not quite sure what um, what this interaction's about you know um, you you're talking to me about something that I've not heard um, and it's never going to happen again so it's like kind of irrelevant it's just like an irrelevant thing you know but for some reason you'd sort of delighting in in saying how good the previous drumming person that you've heard is com compared is this compared to me or to all drummers or is this I, I don't know I just I don't know what the value system that's going on here I can't, I can't really um, can I work this you know, sort of um, yeah, I'm just not relating I'm not relating to anyway there's all this kind of nonsense going on in your head you know because you just, all you want to do is just you know someone just you want someone to have enjoyed the music that you've played you know you've, you've gone you've gone to a place to play music and hopefully it's provided the uh, the entertainment, the experience, or whatever the connection that that music should, you know. And it's so funny in the jazz world that 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 thing, the audience, that audience thing of 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 this kind of interact. And it's not just me. I, you know, pretty much all of the jazz musician friends of mine that I know have had exactly the same experience with uh, members of the jazz audience. You know, of just this thing of telling you about how good somebody else is and again you, you just just something you get used to when i when i first started in those gigs I, I used to just think oh my oh oh they were good oh that means i mustn't have been good tonight oh what was wrong with my playing you know and it's like oh i got into a real kind of neurosis about it and then that led to a, a sort of terrible habit had habit i had for a while which was people used to come up and say, oh, I love your playing and blah, blah, blah. And I go, oh, no, it was awful. Oh, 
oh, no, that second tune, I didn't get this down. And you start telling them this story, you know. And again, we're back to the, the, the bullshit of the stories here because, again, it's like an egotistical thing, you know. They just want to come up to you and say they enjoyed, you know, whatever it is, they enjoyed your vibe and it was they just want to tell you. They don't want you to deconstruct it all for them and say, well, actually, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I I, I just I could have done so many things so much better. You've, you've just ruined the whole vibe for them, you know. And uh, I used to be terrible for that. I used to think it was about, it was, I used to think naively it was about connect, connecting with people and being just being really down to earth and not, you know, just, you know, just sort of being open. And it was just, people just don't, they're not your friends. They just, they just want to say they enjoyed something. Just be gracious and say, oh, thank you. Thanks for coming. And, and you know, that's great. You know, I, I save all that neurosis now for the practice room, you know. Uh, and 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 to talk, talk with my friends about occasionally, you know. But, uh, but those conversations, uh, we all have the same conversations with each other. So a lot of it is just in the practice room. And, again, if if I don't feel like I've if I don't feel like I've nailed something on a gig or I'm that prepared, I know what I need to work on. It's like I don't need to tell some poor sod who's come up to me to say they've enjoyed what they're doing. I don't need to tell them all about it. You know, they, you know, it's just like, no. So, um, but it's that kind of stuff. But a lot of that was born out of this thing of having this interaction with audiences and, and audiences telling you how much better somebody was the week before or somebody's coming next week and they're really good, aren't they? And, and maybe just completely misunderstanding them. Maybe it's just a connection thing as well. They're just wanting to say that they understand when something's good. You know, maybe they're saying, oh, they were good last week because, you know, th this was good. And I, I understand when something sounds good because what I heard last week was good. And so, you know, maybe that's what they're saying, you know. But I never I never took the time to ask, so... Um, so you just don't know unless you don't unless you don't communicate, um, or unless you just you know, let people say what they've got to say and don't get don't get freaked out about it. You know, um, I think a lot of the time people are just trying to connect, aren't they? They're just trying to connect with you. You know, um, but one of the other things I just wanted to mention as well is like this thing of sometimes the way in which we behave when we're playing and feeling uh, under pressure or feeling like we don't you know someone's not enjoying what we're doing or whatever it can be it can be like the thing of uh, we're almost looking for things to confirm that you know within within the moment and that can be this can this is a slightly you know maybe slightly deeper subject and maybe a little bit darker and it's maybe something you know it's it's quite a delicate thing to talk about but it 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 might be a thing that's quite challenging for you is actually you're missing much of the joy of what's going on in the moment because because you're kind of in a cycle of of maybe um negativity or something and and so what you tend to see is you kind of pick up on the negative things and it's like, oh, oh, there's oh, there's the negative thing. Oh, that's that's what I've been looking for, you know. Because the problem with that way of thinking is that it comes from um like in this sort of psychology thing, it comes from like a sense of like like you feel like you're maybe lacking in something, you know. 
Um, so, I mean, that could be, it could be something else in your life. But, you know, when we, we're playing music and we're learning music and stuff, I've, I've definitely felt a sense of, you know, the things that I've sort of struggled with in my own, um, my own sort of mental health or my mental state or, you know, my sort of relationship with other people or whatever, self-esteem, blah, 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 is just, it's this thing of, of, of suddenly under, like not realising that this sort of sense of lacking is kind of clouding my judgment in certain situations, you know, and uh, and it's and it's it's like remembering that that sense of lacking is coming from your own perception. It's nobody else has that perception. I mean, there are, there are people, you know, friends of mine who've who've seen that in me, you know, and they've you know, and they've 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 mentioned it or asked me and helped me out with that, you know, whatever. It's, you know, it's kind of some people are pretty switched on; they're quite perceptive. But but that that's just a response to your behaviour. It's not it's not something that they're creating. It's created from you because it's you know that thing comes from you. It's an internal thing, and um, and it sort of clouds the way you think and the way we make judgments about stuff. You know, and it's funny because in like musical situations, uh, often a lot of the time those. Those things that we're, where we're looking for sort of confirmation of those beliefs because it comes from like a sense of lacking in something and you, we're kind of sort of looking around, uh, waiting for that sort of trigger. Is that a lot of the time it, it, it really doesn't happen because, you know, fundamentally, again, somebody's asked you to be there. Someone wants you to be in that situation. They want you involved, you know, um, and they've made a, they've made a for something in their opinion or view as, as you know, as, as made them think you're the right person for that situation. And it's sort of this thing about intuition as well, you know. Um, there's, you know, lots of people talk about, you know, intuition between, um, you know, men and women and having different sorts of intuition, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a kind of, there can be a fundamental thing with intuition is, um, is understanding that kind of that thing is about sort of being present really. And so we get this kind of weird contradictory thing sometimes in music where um, we're, we're present but we become kind of self-conscious with it. And it can be, for me, it, it feels like it's connected to that thing about sort of feeling like I'm lacking in something. And, and so I become kind of self-conscious. And that whole thing gets into a little bit of a vicious cycle, you know. Um and so that sort of normal thing of when we're, you know, my intuition's normally pretty good. And uh, in those situations, because of things have been sort of clouded and you know, my sort of judgment has been, you know, by, by me, by the way, this is, I, I've created all this for myself. You know, my sort of intuition starts to sort of, sort of suddenly not be what, what it is. You know, and it starts to be a little bit confusing. And, it, and it's something like it's this idea of it sort of normally serves us well, you know, especially if you're kind of aware of of having, um, of, of you know, using your intuition. And uh, and then suddenly it feels like it's letting us down, you know, like, oh, I'm making, oh, I'm making a bad judgment call here. Um, and it's it's actually, you know, it's not, they're not the same thing because in that situation, certain things have triggered you to um to feel either so you know self-conscious or lacking or something and then that clouds your judgment and it's trying to get back to a place where you you know get kind of back on 
back on track, you know, back on back into sort of your natural place of where your intuition is is serving you well and is and is actually where you where you're making you know the right kind of judgment, you know, the, the right kind of decisions or or feeling just um, you know not not self conscious or or self aware in a kind of negative way, um, and so there's this sort of thing about remembering. First of all, that uh, that what we do when we practice our instrument, if we practice properly, and um, you know we're in a kind of good situation with that, is remembering that 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 you know that gives us a quiet confidence. Really, it's a it's a it's a it's a humbling thing ultimately. You know, um, I've never heard any musician in from any genre, any walk of life, never ever put themselves above the music you know or above that thing that kind of energy force you know everyone talks of being you know serving it or humble to it or whatever you want to think about that you know and and so with that it's remembering that you know that that actually should instill just a quiet sense of confidence and, and a sense of strength within within you you know because we spend a lot of time Know, doing this thing and it's uh it's uh it's dear to us and close to us and it, it looks after us you know um because it's it's uh it's a you know, it's a way of life it's a process it's a social thing um so i think it's really important to remember this this thing about you know music's music's a social thing it's social music you know um playing with people um experiencing things with people writing with people jamming with people this whole thing you know it's interesting when you look around online and, and you see this kind of thing of people do these collaborations you know uh, that are kind of from afar you know and it's all about the same thing people are always trying to reach out you know people are always trying to reach out and do things together and um, you know, some sides of some sides of kind of social media get a bit of a bad rep, but I think that you know people forget that actually brings a lot of people together. You know, um, it may not physically bring people together. Like people might have been in the same room and be kind of playing music, but it, it's still kind of a shared experience that's you know that has some kind of social meaning. You know, and uh, so all those things, if you can remember it remember you know that that's what we're in um should help you or certainly help me forget about this kind of um sense of sort of lacking in something or you know something's missing or something's not quite hitting the mark or or you know or the sense of the thing about sense of lacking the sense of not being good enough and all that kind of nonsense you know which is i mean it's like i don't even know how really um I'd, I'd felt like that for years but i can't even think now about what that's comparable to you know the more i've learned about playing and, and other people's playing and how great other people's playing is it's just that thing of like of the individual you know and then you you know you realize you walk past somebody in the street you've never met before and they're they're unique you know as as, as you are and so in that actually everything that everybody does is just different you know it's no better or worse etc etc it's just different 
And if you spend a lot of time doing something, you definitely get good at it, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, a lot of people know me know I love driving and uh, listening to an interview a few weeks ago with um, with someone who um, does a lot of racing and stuff. And they were just talking about that thing of if you get the opportunity to just be in like be in a car on in you know in an environment where you can drive as fast as as you as you dare so to speak legally i mean um like on a racetrack runway or something you know the situation where you know you're basically here's a car off you go see how fast you can go if you do that a lot um i mean me and a friend of mine spent you know, quite a lot of time. Three years ago, doing a lot of driving, we had a we had a we had a, we had a nice a nice car. It was a very lightweight car. And it was running on slick tires and had great brakes and stuff. And we did a lot of driving, and we both definitely had that thing of we just got better at it. You know, uh, and it's just a simple thing. And then we think about like this music thing that we do, and and the obsessive thing of that, and the fact that you know we we choose to do it because we love it which used to do it as a career as well we you know we, we we're hobbyists but you know we're in actually in bands and we're doing this that the other whatever reasons there are you know the the, the i believe the the time that you put into it it generally just it rewards you you know it it it, it gives something back uh, unconditionally you know which is which is uh, which is a beautiful thing so it's just remembering, it's just, you know, trying not to see things, you know, through um, this kind of, well, it can be like like through a, a lens almost, you know, a sort of a lens that's kind of, that's kind of been like got bits of it, you know, covered up, or you're not quite seeing everything. It's, you know, you can see little bits of the picture or, or other bits are obscured, you know. And it's, uh, it's it's trying not to get into that headspace where you know you, your kind of vision's being blinkered or you know or, or restricted by your own kind of thought patterns, you know. And it kind of ties into like one thing that I kind of learned about myself in relation to listening, um, which can really help you. You know, there's a couple of things when I'm teaching. I talk about what to focus on when you're playing. If you're getting into a negative headspace, so say you're, you know, you're on the bandstand and you're worrying about um, what you're playing, you know, which is a nightmare situation. You don't ever want to be doing that, but it's something that people get into. They're sort of worrying about, oh, am I playing the right thing? Is it sounding any good and all that kind of stuff? One thing I say that can be useful is to just, the one thing that stops you thinking about that quite quickly is to just think about how you're doing what you're doing, about how you're playing, like on the drums, it, you know, it's through the feet and the hands, just about how you're interfacing and connecting with the instrument physically. Can I feel, can I feel the bass drum pedal through my right foot? Where, how am I playing the bass drum? How am I playing the hi-hat? Can I really feel, am I, you know, can I feel the way the hi-hat's closing? Yeah, I can feel that connection through my feet. Which part of the hands am I holding the sticks? The hands are very sensitive, you know, very, and drummers, you know, we forget that we, we hold these sticks in the hand all the time and it's one of the most sensitive parts of the body and there's a lot of feedback going on through the hands. And if you just put your, your mind, focus away your mind from this kind of egotistical side of your mind of, oh, what, what am I playing? Is it any good? Uh, do I sound good to how, how, oh, where am I playing through in my hands? Where am I playing through in my feet? Just that 
feeling that thing, almost closing your eyes and feeling the sticks through your hands and about what's going on. It kind of immediately shuts down that that train of thought, you know. It can be a really useful way of sort of reconnecting back to the single most important thing in this situation, and that is listening. Because you can suddenly switch your ears back on, you know. And some people say, even in like, you know, like, like rock or funk or whatever based kind of project music where you're playing just kind of beats and you're playing along with something, you played those tunes like 50 times, that people forget that they're still listening, you know, and what's going on around them, they're still subconsciously, consciously, subconsciously and unconsciously responding to that. And there's different things going on there. But one thing that I started getting better at in the last few years was really focusing on... Uh, on specific things in the listening and uh, allowing my subconscious brain to, uh, to 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 play its game, you know, to, to do what it needs to do and just focusing on how I'm connecting to the instrument and just listening specifically to uh, one thing in the music, you know, not, not being this kind of... I used to be like... I used to play with my eyes wide open and I used to be looking around at everybody all, all the time and I was that thing and I was actually hearing nothing and seeing nothing. It was all, you know, I was all, I was doing it because I thought I should do it. Whereas I went through quite a long period of just actually putting my head down and closing my eyes and uh, and that didn't work too well either. And I had a great experience with a, with a, a brilliant uh, pianist called Enrico Pieranunzi, uh, Italian piano player. Um, amazing musician. I'm uh, very lucky to play with him a few times, and I did. Uh, I I'd done quite a few gigs with him, and we were doing this last gig in this little house where I play sometimes. Um, it's a house concert, a very nice piano, and uh, it's like a trio thing, and a very very small audience. And it's something I do with very very nice piano players, and I, I do about four, three or four gigs a year, maybe at the most. I did, I did, did, we did this final gig on the first tour with Enrico and with a very good friend of mine playing bass, Pete Turner. And uh, on the first tune, and this was on the third gig, I was, I had my head down and I had my eyes closed and we were playing, I think Days of Wine and Roses or something, you know. And he was playing, he had this beautiful intro and he came in with a, I was sort of playing brushes and a bit, I had my eyes closed and I looked up and he was looking at me and he just did the eyes to eyes sign and he wanted me to look at him when he was playing. He wanted eye contact. It was really important to him to have eye contact, you know. Uh, and he'd, he'd not said anything to me on the previous gigs because he obviously hadn't felt there was a problem. But he, I think he just I had my head down on that first tune. I was listening to him and tripping out a bit. Great, oh, beautiful, you know, sounds amazing. And then the thing came in and I just started playing. And when I looked up at him, he was like, I need you to be looking at me. You know, I need to make sure we've got visual contact as well as auditory contact, you know. And uh, it really made me think after that about about what's going on there with all that stuff. And I realised that I wasn't really listening properly whether I had my eyes open or my eyes closed, you know. I was doing it for a reason that was nothing to do with uh, being uh, in the music and, and being a good listener. And so I started to think about uh, better ways to listen and better ways to connect to the instrument. And uh, 
at the moment, that's where my head is with it. It may change, you know. Um, but I, I think one thing I've is, is I've always been a good listener, I think, with people, you know. Um, I think it's important to be able to have the... As, as, a, as a rhythm section player particularly, I mean, all people should be good listeners, but some people aren't, they're just not. But um, I think it's important to be able to um, get people to say what they need to say to you, you know, and get and, and feel like they've been allowed the space to say it. And I think that's true uh, as human to human, just in conversation, as an interaction in life. And also in the music, as a, as a drummer, I shouldn't be crowding, you know, what the music is trying to communicate from other people. I'm hopefully just enhancing that thing and supporting that thing you know um so again it's like that thing of, of maybe maybe an egotistical thing maybe this whole thing is just about ego i don't know um, but it, the ego thing can be it can be useful it you know it can be a thing that makes you just get up and do what you do you know make, it makes you practice i don't know it's a thing that maybe motivates you in certain ways that's positive but it's just not creating those stories within things, you know, like making things have stories that they don't need, you know, uh, like interactions having a whole load of energy and narrative that's just going to lead to nothing, to a dead end, you know, just because you feel like you need to get something out of a situation that's purely for your own, you know, for your own means. So, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, anyways, this music journey is an interesting journey and, and I continue to learn, try and listen and understand and try and get, you know, people to, um, uh, persuading people to be honest with you as well, you know, and I had a great conversation years ago and it was about this thing of doing the right thing in the music and I was talking to, um, a bass player that I know quite well, um, and I was talking about how well he played with another drummer. They played great together. They played together for years and years and years. And I, I made the assumption that it was because of that, you know. You put two people that played together for years and years and they just sound great together. But the thing with this situation was that um, he said to me, no, we talked about how we play together as well as listening to each other, you know. They talked about how they played together. So they'd sort of built up this real thing. And I think, you know, they'd had, they'd had frank conversations when things were good and when things weren't good, you know. And uh, and from that, you know, you build... It's Again, it's a, you build up a thing of trust, you know. Yeah, if I'm playing with this person and they're saying it's happening, then... Uh, you know, they really know me and they know this relationship, so it must be happening. And if they're saying something's not working, then, again, you know, let's get to the bottom of what, what that is. Let's find out what's going on there, you know. So, um, yeah, talk to each other when you're playing. It's good, especially, um, you know, younger players in projects or when you're just on gigs and stuff. You know, if, you, if you're not enjoying playing with somebody or you're not enjoying a situation, you know, then one is you can just choose to not do that again, you know, and that's fine. 
um, and move on from it. Don't dwell on it. But if you if it's something that's important to you and you want to understand why, then then have the conversation. But be prepared for someone to say something that uh, might not be what you expect. It might not be what you like, but you should certainly try and listen and understand and and uh, and see the positive in it. You know, see the positive in that. Um, in someone taking the time to say that to you, or if you know if you particularly feel strong strongly that it's not something that you agree with, then it's kind of challenge it in a, in a in a kind of mature way and really kind of try and delve into it and maybe learn something or or realize that you know someone's just you know not kind of into what you're doing and they're, you know they're sort of going about it and, and they're just going around the houses saying it really and, and saying things they don't really need to say whereas they could just simply say you know I, I just prefer playing with someone that plays like this you know and uh, and that's totally cool because we can't be brilliant at everything you know we can be um we can probably be pretty good at some things. That's that's my view. <laughs> so um, that's great. Anyway, I think oh, yeah. again, I was I thought this would be this will be forty minutes, and it's been an hour again. So sorry about that. But um, yeah, a bit of a different thing today. So um, what's coming up next? Not hundred percent sure. Actually, I was going to do a thing. Um, just talking about practicing actually in in a in sort of um going on from what I was talking about last week just a bit more into maybe some more specifics of practicing but i'm probably going to leave that for a bit um there's lots of different subjects um so i'm undecided as of yet what the next the next episode will be so it's going to be um a surprise um it's been interesting, the, the episodes that have been popular, the, the Brushes episode seems to have been very popular. Um, and so I was thinking maybe more more sort of subject-based things like that might be more more popular with people. Not sure. But, uh, but people seem to have been into them all, so I'll probably just carry on rambling on in the way I am and um, talk about lots of different things. Might talk about symbols at some point. Uh, maybe drums, drum skins. Talk about some uh, new, all this new kind of fad of hard, the lightweight hardware. I've got quite a lot of it, and it's um, amazing stuff. Might talk about that. So yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, I will uh, see you again next week. Bye for now. <laughs>